It's our WWE Clash of Champions review show on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. J-Man and I are sitting here in the studio after a three-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view. We're both just looking as to what this pay-per-view could have been, what it should have been, and what's to come. Maybe that was too convoluted for everybody. I don't know. (laughs) It is the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. Boss Ross and the J-Man coming at you here from the studio. It's pay-per-view weekend. Sure is. We've actually got some. Uh, we've actually got some show news that I actually want to mention at the end of this show, as for uh, what's to come and what changes will be happening to this show. And there will be changes. It's official. I've officially fired Jorge. I'm getting a new co-host. I'm just kidding. I love you, brother. I make that joke every week. I'm just changes. Some people are scared of them. I know. I know. I was because I really didn't think about it until the other day. So. Uh, changes are coming to this show. That's a nice tease. This is a review show of a pay-per-view. Um, and we'll probably talk about it as as we get closer as well. But there are changes coming to the show. They are exciting. They are accommodating to the new schedule that's happening when it comes to pro wrestling in general. So for those of you that are wondering, yes, this show will drop on a different day. Until that point, when we talk about it, again, that was my tease, this show emanated from Charlotte, North Carolina. The Queen City. Yes, it did. As my phone is buzzing. See, it's on vibrate. You're a very popular man these days. Actually, no, I'm not. I don't know why he sent me a friend request. Who is it? It doesn't matter. Fair enough. The point is that uh, <laughs> eventually this center should probably be named the Ric Flair Center, as far as I'm concerned, or the Four Horsemen Center, or something along those lines, because... Uh, or just name it after Charlotte. There were there were there were a lot of points in this pay per view in which this was the antithesis of Buzz City. Yeah, I got to tell you, this pay per view not very good. <laughs> <laughs> which what's funny is I'm not surprised because at these pay per views where every belt is on the line. I realize what they tried to do. Okay, for those of you that watch the pay-per-view, you know that in every match, except for the match that you called earlier, which was the Roman and Rowan match, they decided to do special introductions with the spotlight and had but, it a by very... By the way, I didn't notice as to whether or not they did that. They didn't, did they? No, because remember, it started on the outside. Oh, that's right. Because Roman just came out and attacked him. Oh, well, there you go. There you I'm go. brilliant without being brilliant. I have to tell you that... Uh, the show. I'm kind of. I'm not apathetic to it. I'm just. It existed. We sat here. There was part of the show where I just spent time on my phone. That was because you were upset about a certain result. There was dumb booking on the show, as per almost every pay per view. I don't know why I keep getting upset about it by dumb booking decisions. However, as I as I hit the mic, I had this whole thing planned. I'll do it again. Go for it. 
if you would have just thought the way you should have thought instead of just taking one from my playbook, mm-hmm. we may be in a different situation. Yeah, but then you'd be pissed, and then I'd have to go ahead and hear it all the way home because I'm t- giving you a ride home tonight. Yes, because I would have uh, said that the booking didn't accommodate my beliefs, and exactly. I would have been just and I would have as spent uh, forty minutes driving. No, I probably would have bored you with uh, the day that was the NFL, which <laughs> I spent two quarters watching my team absolutely get obliterated today on yeah. national television. Yeah, at least you have the Dodgers. This is true. Yeah. Statistically, if your football team starts 0-2, you are not making the playoffs. Hey, who knows? They can go 8-8. Eight and eight and I believe the last team that went 0-2 and won the Super Bowl was one of the Giants teams that won. Yes, and both of those Giants teams were both 10-6 and six to end the regular season. But one of them was 9-7 and seven and made the playoffs as a wild card and ended up winning. The point is, this is a wrestling podcast. I'm sure I will bore the J-Man with this on the way home because this pay-per-view... This is about all I'm going to talk about it is this show because it is already in my rearview mirror because <laughs> we have Hell in a Cell and there's already too much things going on before it that I don't know how seriously they're really taking it. And we're less than a month away from it. And by the way, based off the end of the main event, it, it could be like, huh, maybe not maybe. Now, I will tell you there were some good things on this show. As per most WWE shows, very few WWE shows are top to bottom, completely void of merit. Correct. The only one being backlash of like, was it last year's backlash or the year before? There was a backlash show that was absolutely horrendous, I and yet I year. still remember there being a match that I found okay, which was uh, Seth Rollins versus The Miz for the IC title. With the main event of that show being. Yes, it was last year's backlash. The main event of last year's show was Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe in Baltimore, and it was trash. Like, absolute hot garbage steaming out of the actual trash can trash. Okay, I'm looking at the show. Looking at the show. That was the that was the show that had AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura end by a double DQ because they both nailed themselves in, in the, the crotch. Penis. That's mm-hmm. correct. I mean, by oh the way, my gosh, I mean, that was Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, Seth Rollins and The Miz for the IC title was an acceptable match. That's about it, though. <laughs> this show wasn't that, but no, I will, it, it was I will not tell you that. this. So you know how, like, avid listeners of this program, which we genuinely, genuinely appreciate you all. It's funny, we were, uh, we were looking at our Instagram account, and one of our good buddies well one of my good buddies and avid listener of the show was he had a shout out to my brother went ahead and put a comment and he was like boss is pissed the the funny thing about that is ross was upset me who is usually the person who's more calm um he is the optimist relaxed, of the show mm-hmm. optimistic was furious and guess what that has not changed after an hour and a half of that post I am still upset over a couple of different things. However, Braun Strowman makes the heart grow fonder sometimes. And that's what I'll say. We'll get to Braun Strowman. Oh, we'll get to Braun Strowman. I love that man. Please push him immediately as a main event world champion. Say that on every show. It will happen eventually. I don't care how long it takes. One day it will. He'll be 52 and he'll finally win a championship belt. Let's hope not. I know. Seriously, let's hope not. I pray God. All right. Now, there were two pre-show. Okay, there were 11 matches because they moved the King of the Ring finals 
to tomorrow. Or Monday, I should say. Which I'm actually perfectly okay with because it would have been completely lost on this show as they predicted it would be. It would have literally just been another match. It would have been a four-minute match that wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the viewership and the importance that it requires. Whereas on Raw, it will will. be the main event. It better be the main event. And we will end the show with either Gable sitting on the throne or Corbin sitting on the throne. By the way, we did have a King Booker appearance on this show. Along with the random appearance by the Street Profits on every pay-per-view, which I still don't understand. Neither do I, but it, I did see some great natural chemistry between Booker T and the Street Profits. Like, it was a relatively enjoyable segment. I am glad that uh, they are no longer the NXT Tag Team Champions. Can they please wrestle on Raw? If they're going to be at pay-per-views, just have them wrestle on Raw. Not that hard. I agree. It's not that hard. I agree. You're quoting Lion King for some odd reason. I don't care. They're the least of my worries on they this got, show. They got Rafiki and Rikishi confused, which I can totally see why they did. Happened. The first match on this card on the pre-show, Drew Gulak defending his Cruiserweight Championship against Umberto Carrillo and Lince Dorado. This match, of course, came about because uh, Carrillo won a number one contenders match, and then Lince Dorado beat him in a match and was added to this match for no reason. Um, this was the beginning of the start of them doing the special entrances for every match. Thank you, Greg Hamilton and Mike Rome. By the way, thank you, Greg Hamilton, for wearing a brown suit with brown (laughs) shoes. So, by the way, I'd like to do a quick poll. Um, Byron Saxton's suit was awful. Yes, it was. Tom Phillips looked awful. Renee Young's attire, awful. Corey Graves is the bomb, though. Michael Cole is Michael Cole. He's wearing a normal suit. He's normal he's indifferent gentleman. to me. <laughs> Corey, Corey Graves, the under his uh, sleeves, it was gold that matched the gold of Clash of Champions' logo. Yes. Yeah, but the point was, um, I'd like to do a poll. Who do you think is better as a ring announcer, Greg Hamilton or Mike Rome? Ross Ross thinks that it's Greg Hamilton. It is Greg Hamilton. I, I personally, I like Mike Rome a lot. I also love Greg Hamilton, so it's like... You know, it, it's a toss-up. I Thank don't know. God Mike Rome got rid of that stupid hair. Yes, the hair was stupid. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yes. So, this was a very typical 10-minute Cruiserweight title match. Except there were three people in it, so they had more stuff to do in 10 minutes. Right. So, I can't say it really stands out amongst anything else. I know you're a huge Lince Dorado fan. I know this was a lot of people's first real experience with Humberto Carrillo. Cause this and is his- Lince Dorado, really. And, and I have to say Lince Dorado because even though he's come out with the Lucha House Party on Monday Night Raw, Kalisto and Grand Metalik tend to be the more of the focal point because they're the, you know, one of them was the runner-up in the Cruiserweight Classic a few years back, and Kalisto has been basically one of the faces of the Cruiserweight division over the past few years. The difference is Lince Dorado's been on Raw and people know who he is. Right, yes, whereas opposed to when Bergerio hasn't been on Raw, he's only been on 205 Live. I correct. Totally, totally understand that. That's the only reason I say that. Yeah. Um, so, of course, this ended how every triple threat match ends unless you're a WrestleMania main event. Which is, guy hits a finisher, guy throws that guy out of the ring, and pins the guy who took the finisher. Correct. So Drew Gulak retained. Now, I will tell you that uh, Umberto Carrillo, as uh, fluid as he can be, there were a couple of moves that... uh, Took too long to set up. 
True. Yeah. Which unfortunately, when you have uh, convoluted moves like that, it does take away from it. I will. I will attribute it to nerves. I will attribute it to his first real big stage match. Yeah, he's never been on a pay per view before up until this point. So I will give Humberto Carrillo a pass. I'm not Fair. saying he was sloppy. Yeah. I'm saying everybody has a tough time being a hundred percent great. I will tell you this though, Lince Dorado for the quote-unquote minimal exposure that this man gets, and I have to say minimal is because, you know, again, he's sharing the spotlight with two other dudes that some people will say are quote-unquote better than he is, even though he was the guy that took the pin in this match. And by the way, Drew Gulak won this match by pinning Lince Dorado, as Ross was uh, attesting to. Lince Dorado performed really well in this match. Like, his moves were great. There was one move that I kind of got a little nervous about. He went for a hurricanrana from the top rope, which I wasn't sure if he fully locked his legs around Humberto Carrillo's neck. And Humberto Carrillo had to probably rotate himself fully in midair himself as opposed to the action being done by Lince Dorado himself. Other than that, though, it was great. He, at one point, smacked. And when I mean smacked... He smacked the holy hell out of Humberto Carrillo. Like, the Mexican left Humberto Carrillo and came back. That's how hard Carrillo got slapped on the outside. Like, And, of course, he would do the slap. They were in flare country. It totally makes sense that the, that the chops were going to go ahead and take place tonight. But, overall, I was really impressed and really happy with Lince Dorado's performance. Humberto Carrillo, a guy that I usually don't get a chance to see a lot, also very impressed with his performance. And then, of course, what can you say about the man who's running cruiser, the cruiserweight division right now? He's he's running it for a reason. Drew Gulak is the face of 205 Live for a reason. Drew Gulak retains the cruiserweight championship. Again, not bad. Not bad. I thought for sure. Sh- uh, we've, we've definitely seen better cruiserweight matches. And I still think this should have been a one-on-one, mm-hmm. uh, even though I know you just praised Lince Dorado and I don't have bad things to say about him. There was no reason for him to be in this match. I agree. Again, the, the that's only just reason, me. No, no, I'm with you. The only reason why he was in this match, we had test, we we said this on the preview show. The only reason why he was in this match is because they didn't want Umberto Carrillo to lose on pay per view. Which, by the way, I I, I believe I called that uh, Dorado was going to get pinned. Yes, you did. We both did actually. So, yeah. So you go. Uh, so again, Gulak retains the cruiserweight championship. More things were. Much worse on this show, as far as I'm concerned, than this match. This match existed on a pay-per-view. By the way, not to say that there was bad wrestling this evening. On the contrary, Oh, no, there was always, some. There was some bad wrestling, but there was, for the most part, relatively strong wrestling. But not things that are going to blow your mind away. Carry All right. on, sir. Uh, the United States title match was on the pre-show. You made the bold claim that the, that the biggest talent to ever show up on the pre-show happened tonight. Yes, you're probably true. Mm-hmm. Although I did make the argument that Sunday Night Heat used to be a pre-show and everybody showed up on that show. So. That, but that was different because it was a different time where they took everything seriously. The pre-show doesn't get that doesn't get taken that seriously, whereas opposed to Sunday Night Heat. I mean, for those of you who are avid fans of the Attitude Era, The Rock cut his famous Billy Gunn promo on Sunday Night Heat. If, I'm, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up The Rock mimicking God, and it's fantastic. So AJ and Cedric Alexander had their U.S. title match. It was on the pre-show. It was given five minutes. I believe you missed all of it. That's correct. I went and I missed game. most of it. 
What I will tell you is it was a five-minute match in which AJ squashed squashed Cedric Alexander, and then the OC beat him up afterwards. And by the way, Cedric Alexander is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, that shouldn't surprise you that a guy loses in his hometown. Shouldn't surprise you at all. No, it doesn't. Actually, somebody else lost in their hometown this evening as well. They did. We'll get to that in a second. Our first match of the real show... Because, you know, they don't show the WrestleMania pre-show on their DVDs. No. Yeah. Austin Aries probably has a reason to be pissed off about that. Adrian Neville was not at WrestleMania that year, according to them. Just just not there. Yep. Makes sense. Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman in their first of two matches tonight, defending their Raw Tag Team titles against the team known as Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. They have no name. Who won a gauntlet match. They called it a tag team turmoil match. Yep. Whatever. It's the same yeah, thing. I know. Anyway. I think I've corrected you on that every single time you mentioned because it. Because it's a gauntlet match. I know. I'm just telling you. They called it a tag team turmoil match. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. Just going based off of their names. You're just, you're, just, you're just doubling up on me being right. So I'm okay with it. If you want to take it that way, sure. All right. This match <laughs> was given less than 10 minutes. Which I'm surprised it was even given that long because I said from the beginning that realistically, Strowman just needed to turn on him and just hand the belts to Ziggler and Rude. Strowman started the match against Robert Rude. It was an actually okay wrestling match to set up the finish, which was Braun Strowman tried to attack Rude. He got, and then he bumped into Ziggler. I'm not Ziggler, but Rollins. And then Rude just put on the glorious DDT and pinned him. And Strowman just went backstage, cut a promo, and said, Seth just lost us the titles. Now I can focus on killing him tonight where he will get these hands. He did not say killing him, but yes. Pretty much. I know. Regardless. Your new Raw Tag Team Champions, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Not a surprise. Uh, I think it would have been a much bigger surprise if these two would have kept the titles. It's a big reason why I'm not a fan of makeshift teams holding titles like this because they're essentially placeholders for another team, which in this case is another makeshift Makeshift team. team, Yeah. So... Um, now, there are instances where, and I've said this before, I was okay with the storyline at first, and there are times where I'm okay with the makeshift tag team, but everybody knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. And so when Rudin Ziggler won, they were just like, okay. Right. This was, think, a, this was a common theme on the show, right? which I think was, that was Charlotte was dead for a lot of these matches. Yeah. I think people would have been more surprised... Hmm. People would have been more surprised if Rollins and, and, and Strowman retained. Probably would have gotten a bigger reaction. I know. I scratched that. I know it would have gotten a bigger reaction. They would have been like, oh my gosh. Because it would have made the Universal title match that much more interesting, to be honest with you. Probably. Yeah. Uh, it would have also been a surprise if somehow Rollins cost Strowman the match. It's true. Um, because it was the Universal champion that was pinned. Which we both said was going to happen. Which does not surprise me. Right. Like at all. That yeah, Braun there's Strowman no way that you're going to have Braun Strowman lose twice in one night. 
Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, so, not really a whole lot to say. It was. It was. It was. I think it was a strong start to the pay per view. An energetic match overall. Honestly, the way this was booked, they probably should have started with the SmackDown Tag Team Titles. That's true. However, I understand that because it was main eventing, they wanted to start the pay-per-view with these two working first. Fair. I get it. That's fine. Whatever. So, Rude and Ziggler are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Which we both called correctly. Yes. So, we were three for three at this moment in time. Correct. Bailey defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair in her hometown. The Queen City. She was wearing Hornets colors this evening. She was. Purple and that weird tealish blue. Yeah. Uh, big pop from the crowd for her. They were very much behind Charlotte this evening. Well, even though she's not a full-fledged babyface, she is working babyface. Plus, hometown, even though that still bugs me when heels get cheered in their hometown. Agreed. Even and though she's at least working babyface, I'm okay with it. And I think that on top of that, I think people have just come to the realization that Charlotte's the best women's wrestler of all time. And it's now become a respect factor that she's getting cheered, not the fact that, oh, they're being marks. You know what I'm saying? Well, also, they're properly booing heels yes they're booing the hell out of bailey which they should so this is what i will tell you charlotte was absolutely dominating 95 percent of this match was how how long was this match ross three minutes and 45 seconds this match went real short so charlotte was beating bailey pillar to post Mm -hmm. throwing her outside beating her up as far as i'm concerned she was working heel Essentially. Which was weird, because mm-hmm. she's supposed to be the baby face. So after about three minutes of beating up Bailey inside and outside the ring, she has her in the corner, the ref backs her up, and I didn't notice this, and I know why they did this, because they didn't want anybody to notice until it was too late. Great job on the camera work, WWE. I'll give you praise for that. By the way, it was during this match that I noticed the gentleman wearing the white outfit <laughs> with the bright white shirt, the white hat. And the braids in his beard, he looked like Jeff Jarrett. In fact, he looked like Jeff Jarrett when he first came into WCW and when he came back to the WWE in that weird outfit thing. So if you combine that character with Curly Bill Vincent from WWE, (laughs) that's what we got. All that was missing was the good old boys song. And somebody pretending to be Jesse James. Yes. The woman he was with was also wearing something white and frilly. It was very distracting at ringside. It was. Uh, She looked like she was wearing the Charlotte robe, actually. So that was the first of me noticing that on the evening. I could not unsee that moment of literally a man wearing bright white with a Mm -hmm. cowboy hat and braids. But we did not see the guy in the green shirt that always goes to Raw and Brock Lesnar guy. who No, he was there. Brock Lesnar guy was there or the green green shirt guy was there? The green shirt guy was there. I did not notice him. but I He was wearing a green shirt. No, I was, did you see how many people were wearing green John Cena shirts there, were, there in the front? There was one guy in the front wearing a John Cena shirt. Felt like was, there were so many more. But I think you were just out of it. Maybe. It was right there. Regardless, so, so after three minutes of Charlotte beating up Bailey, they go to the ring, they go to the corner, ref backs up Charlotte. Charlotte then kind of dosy does around the ref. Right. Bailey slams her into the bottom turnbuckle, which apparently had been exposed by Bailey. 
One, two, three, your winner, and still WWE SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey. And she hightailed it out of there. She was like, I just escaped with a win. I don't even care that I cheated. Because that's what heels are supposed to do. Looks like she needed to go to the bathroom real bad. That's not the uh that's not the thought I had, but now that I'm thinking about it, that changes the entire thing right there. She's like, Well, really had to go. Just had to get the match over with. So 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 what you're saying is she called an audible in the ring. Guys, I, I gotta go. I know we said we had like eight minutes. I gotta cut it to four. I just gotta go. I just she had to go. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Um, I have to believe we're gonna get a rematch. Oh, definitely. Um, I don't know if that's gonna be on SmackDown this week. Actually, I don't know what they're going to do because they kind of have a weird schedule coming up because their first show on Fox is the go-home show to Hell in a Cell. Right. They can't have too many big matches because they have a pay-per-view two days from that. So they can't. it's not like they can go ahead and have a match. I still think we're going to have a really big surprise on that show. I'm sure. I don't know what it's going to be. There, listen, there's been rumors running rampant that Rock's supposed to be at SmackDown. That would make sense. Um, which actually. not only not only is the is it the first episode on Fox, but it also lands on the twentieth anniversary of SmackDown. Yes. So like this is overall going to be a huge show. Like Ross and I have been discussing this all week. Like this is some horrible planning on WWE's part. Like they should have pushed Hell in a Cell like three weeks or two weeks after what they're doing it, or on. just not done it, or just not done it. Um, but it's fine. They don't want to change the schedule. I, I, we figured out the reason why they're doing it on this week. This, they are trying to go ahead and trash all elite wrestling as best as they can, and that's fine. It's competitiveness. I get it. They said to themselves, "What's what? What way can we hit them harder? Let's move SmackDown to Fox the same week that they premiere on television." That's the only logical reasoning for them to be putting themselves in this situation with a go home show for Hell in a Cell. Sorry, I had to get that in there. First blunder of the night, booking-wise, especially to what happened later in the night. The New Day defended their SmackDown Tag Team titles against The Revival. I said this before. It makes no sense. If you're already keeping the team having belts, it makes no sense for one part of that team to lose their belts and the other one to keep it. So, I figured, okay, either the New Day are losing all of their belts on Sunday, or they're keeping all of their belts on Sunday. They unfortunately decided to do the dumb thing and split up the titles. So, as soon as this match ended, because again, it was given 10 minutes. Quality match, by the way, between two great tag teams. I don't know. I don't know what their fascination is with just timing-wise, timing out 10-minute matches on pay-per-views. I don't get it. I don't know either. Like, some of the matches that went long did not even need to go that long, and some of the matches that went short probably needed more time. Agreed. For instance, I would have much rather have seen this match on television be given 15 minutes. Agreed. It would have been a better match. Mm-hmm. Now, you say it was a good match. I say it's a match that existed. Now, do you say it's a match that existed because of the booking decision? Well, that's part of, of it. Okay. Okay. When you tell me you have a match, right? So, Big E is taking punishment for a while. But the storyline is that Xavier Woods got taken out by Randy Orton, who the Revival had been kind of teaming with, with Orton. 
So the weak guy, you would think they would try and take out Xavier Woods early in the match, but they were fighting Big E from half the match. So psychology-wise, that made no sense. That's fair. And then, okay, I am sick to death of these matches in which, in every match, we have to have something that happens on the outside. Oh, let's have a finisher on the outside. Oh, let's have a big move on the outside. Why can't we just have a match in the ring? And why can't we just have a simple tag team match where a team wins and loses? Then we had to do the goofy thing of, oh, yeah, the Revival hit Shatter Machine, but no, they can't just take the win. No, they have to then try and injure Xavier Woods and get him to tap out instead of, I don't know, winning the match and then doing it afterwards when it makes sense because, no, we can't just win a wrestling match. We have to win a wrestling match slower. Right. That did kind of frustrate me, and I told you this when we were watching the match. I was like, this is where my pick goes awry because I actually picked the Revival to win this match and become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. You had the New Day retaining, and as soon as they hit Shattered Machine on Xavier Woods and then they decided to go ahead and do the inverted figure four, I was like, this is where I'm going to get screwed right now because they had hit Big E with the shatter machine on the outside. So Big E was out, right? And then you go ahead and pull that off. They hit shatter machine on X and you're like, oh, this is it. Okay, boom. Game over. And then they're like, no, 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 no. Let's do this. And I'm like, Scott, Dash, what the hell are you doing? Do not screw me on this pick. Do not screw me on this pick. And I got scared until I actually legitimately saw Xavier Woods tap out. And I was like, Oh, okay, I guess cool, but that was really complicated. Like, that was adding unnecessary amounts of time where people are usually hot when um, the Revival hit the Shatter Machine because it's, a, it's okay, I'll flat out say it's the best tag team maneuver in wrestling today. It flat out is. Sorry. Um, so whenever they hit that, you're like, oh, man, they just hit it. X isn't going to kick out of this, and it's just like, oh, no. We're going to do this because we're boring. I'm like, come on, guys. You're better than that. And that was just a little bit frustrating. And then it just kind of builds up a what you think, oh, something else is about to happen. Maybe Big E is about to get back in the ring and just basically mop the floor with, you know, Dawson and Wilder. And it didn't. It was just tap out. Like they just added an additional 45 seconds that really didn't need to be there. That's why I can't call this a good match. Can't do it. Won't do it. Okay. So – we have new tag team champions for no reason. Considering what happened later in the evening? Okay, I understand that. Like I said, mm-hmm. it's the same reason I've made the argument of the Undisputed Era all of a sudden now maybe having all the belts instead of them just winning all the belts. I totally understand. Didn't Evolution win all the belts in one night? They did. At um, Armageddon 2003, Triple H beat Goldberg and Kane for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Didn't Orton Randy retain? Orton retained his Intercontinental Championship, and Batista and Ric Flair became the World Tag Team Champions all in the same night. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I know the argument, well, it took the NWO a long time to get all the titles. Yeah, because the storyline was an invasion that they were slowly taking over WCW. And the Shield all all won their titles in one night, but again, that was the Shield. That was one of the worst U.S. title runs ever. Ever. Yeah, he didn't do anything. Dean Ambrose like never months. defended it for six months and no, then I, just lost it. Yeah, and he lost it when they turned babyface. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know great. what that was. It. And he lost it to a babyface. The Revival are your new smack. Look, I love The Revival, okay? I'm okay with them being the champions. There's just no reason for it if you're not going to put Randy Orton on the world title. 
That's all. So as soon as that happened, I was like, crap, I'm screwed in my predictions since you picked the Revival and I picked the New Day because I went for the New Day keeping all the belts and you went for the Revival and Randy Orton winning all the belts, which makes sense. I just don't like the fact that they were get there. <laughs> this was the point in the show where I literally uh, took out the trash. Yeah, and, 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 and it saddens me because your girl Mandy was in action and you chose not to watch it. All right, so... Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were defending their women's tag team titles yes. against Fire and Desire, known as Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. Mm. Mandy Rose looks incredible. Um, there's nobody's going to deny that. Um, <laughs> Corey Graves was having trouble. He he was going apoplectic during the broadcast. <laughs> Renee Young was like, "I thought we were supposed to be empowering women on this show." I just I, I got very oh, no, no. annoyed Hold by on. her. There was commentary. a reason why she said that though, not because of Graves saying that. It's oh, I know. I'm just lumping it all together because her commentary sucked tonight. Most most of the okay, Graves actually had a good night tonight. <laughs> Michael Cole, I didn't notice as much, so I'm actually going to give praise to Michael Cole because I didn't really notice him that much tonight. Thank God. You also didn't go in on Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton's suit was annoying enough. <laughs> I didn't have to say anything else. Tom Phillips existed as usual. It's not a bad thing to Tom Phillips, by the way, because Tom I, Phillips is the man. I will actually give praise to the pre-show tonight. Yeah, you loved David Otunga this evening. Otunga like, he looked, looked jacked. jacked. <laughs> he was not super annoying. Charlie was great as usual, or as uh, Seth Rollins calls her, Chuck. Charles. Oh, is it, he does call her Chuck or Charles. I right? don't I don't get that, but whatever. Um, I don't care. Her name is Charlie Caruso. Could, not anyway. It doesn't I'm matter. I'm going to start calling her Carlitos. That's even worse. <laughs> uh, Coachman and then uh, Booker T, and then he later showed up as King Booker and then morphed back into Booker T. Can you dig it, sucker? It was, it great. was great. I love Booker T. He's amazing. Please. You said he was a national treasure. He was rocking both of his Hall of Fame ceremonies. Both, ha- excuse me, both Hall of Fame rings. Thank you. As Booker T and as one half of the Harlem greatest Heat. WCW tag team of all time, Harlem Heat. Absolutely. Yes. By the way, I tried to find a shirt. They don't sell them on their website. I'm furious. No Booker, no Booker T-shirts? Uh, I wanted a Harlem Heat shirt, oh. and and they're not selling it. What, you know what? Try pro wrestling tees. Maybe Booker T's selling them by himself. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. All I know is that there's a Hall of Fame shirt. Not a big fan of it. Just saying. Damn it. Okay. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, if you didn't know, I really just... You perused through this match. The women's tag team titles are literally less important than the 24-7 title. They're about on par as the U.S. title. That's sad. And again, this match was given nine minutes. It existed. What else do you... I'm not going to lie to people on this podcast. Not I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to myself. It's fine. This you match don't need to could lie have to me. existed. I was here with you in real time. I saw you sitting on the recliner. This match could have existed on Raw, yeah. on SmackDown, on the WWE Network, on the pre-show. No, but see, it's above the U.S. title. Yeah, and we need to empower women. Yep. Here's the thing. Uh, first of all, Alexa Bliss rocking the Harley Quinn look. Which um, she does like every other time. I and like, it, I think she does it when it comes to Halloween. She does it really well. I love how Renee's like, oh, I love this look. She should do it all the time. She was doing it like for a year. 
Yeah, she was, during suicide, when Suicide Squad came out, you're right. She was doing it while she was the champion. Yeah, but Renee wasn't on commentary, so she didn't get a chance well, to Well, that's Renee's box. fault for not realizing that she wasn't on commentary. I'm just kidding. Oh, she lost backstage? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Hanging out with Dean. Speaking of which, they showed a they showed a WWE oh, Network ad. And I it, can't believe that. And they just had Dean Ambrose plastered all over it. Dean that's, Ambrose. That's rough. It's rough. Very interesting. Whoever that person ran that ad was, he's going to get fired tomorrow. Anyways, um, I thought this match wasn't that bad. So this match was more than just about the tag team titles for the women. It was about Nikki Cross getting her revenge on Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose has been basically making Nikki Cross look like this fabric ass, in your words. No, she's just making it, been making her look like a nothing, you know, comparing her looks and blah, blah, blah. At one point, uh, Nikki Cross beat her up and then did her whole shaking thing that Mandy Rose usually does. And Char- Charlotte propped for that. And then you could see Alexa Bliss at ringside jumping up and down like a crazy person. And it was funny to see. Um, and that's when Corey Graves like went into meltdown mode saying, like, I cannot believe she's doing Mandy Rose's thing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And then Renee was like, that's the hottest thing on the show right now. That was not the hottest thing on the show, Renee. I was like. I have to disagree with you 100%. And I appreciate you, and I appreciate Nikki Cross. She was horrible on commentary tonight. Nikki Cross needs to go ahead and use that in the bedroom with Killian Dane. We'll keep it there, okay? I am not insinuating that at all. That being said, I have a little bit of a problem with this match. A little? Just hang on. All right. We both picked Alexa Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to retain the titles. Yes. And I have no issue with that because a couple of weeks ago I made the argument that the tag team titles need Alexa Bliss. Why? Well, because besides the four horsewomen, who's the biggest star in the women's division? Alexa Bliss, and it's not even close. Like Carmella's big, don't get me wrong, but Alexa Bliss is still higher up the hierarchy. Right? The thing is that it is now September of 2019. Time is ticking on not only pushing Fire and Desire as a tag team, but pushing Mandy Rose. Now, I know Mandy Rose is like 29 years old. Like, she's got a whole hell of a time in front of her to be able to go ahead and do something in World Wrestling Entertainment. But the problem is, you need to strike while the iron is hot. And WWE has this tendency of waiting for things to cool off before they finally pull the trigger on something, a.k.a. Braun Strowman. You know what I'm saying? They're doing that with Mandy, and they're doing that with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville as a tag team. When do you when do you decide to go ahead and pull this off? Because if you would have looked at February of earlier this year at Elimination Chamber, these two ladies outdid everybody else in that Elimination Chamber. And let me tell you something. Every woman in that Elimination Chamber rocked that night, including Tamina Snuka. That's not a shot at her. I'm just saying she even she even did her part. But Sasha and Bailey did their thing. Um, Sarah Logan and um, and Liv Morgan did their thing. The Iconics did their thing. Hell, Carmella and Naomi kicked ass in that match. Everybody kicked ass, but the one who kicked ass the most were Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. And they had all this momentum leaving that pay-per-view. And we are in September of this year, and it's just like there is no momentum with them anymore. You know, like you got Mandy cutting these promos about her looks and stuff like that. That's not great promo cutting. That's not good storyline. These two women are better than that. And they're one of the better tag teams in the division. The same way that the Kabuki Warriors are one of the better tag teams in this division. So WWE needs to ask themselves the question, 
when is it the right time? Because time is ticking on not only the tag team, but on Mandy Rose herself. And it's just going to be like, time is going to come and nobody's going to give a damn anymore. So you got to figure it out, WWE. I get it. Use the stardom of Alexa Bliss to propel somebody else in the women's division the same way you propelled Ronda Rousey, the same way that you propelled Nia Jax. Use Alexa Bliss because Alexa Bliss is a big name just like Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bayley. So come on. I believe in you guys. You guys have done it before. You can do it again. Just let's make it happen. I'm glad that you made the right call tonight. But when October the 4th rolls around on Fox... I think you should make the right make the right call then. I'm just saying, make the right call then. So Bliss and Cross retain their women's tag team titles. Another match that existed: Shinsuke Nakamura versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Title. This was still during the part of the show where I was basically half asleep, for good reason, because again, this match was given nine and a half minutes. You could feel every single one of them. The, the closing the closing portion of this match was actually strong. Okay, this match was Sami Zayn being annoying on the outside, mm-hmm. which is his job. Yes. That's fine. He's good at it. Then him getting attacked on the outside by The Miz, being taken out of the rest of the match, basically. The rest of this match was me waiting for Shinsuke Nakamura to hit Kinshasa. Literally, that was all I was waiting for. To hear Corey Graves yell out Kinshasa. Kinshasa! Does it so good. Both him and Phillips do it so good. It's true. Graves is better. But, yes. It's it's the same thing with Rome and Hamilton. Who you picking? Well, in that case, I'm picking Graves. And I'm still picking Hamilton because he's better. (laughs) And he doesn't have goofy hair. He doesn't have it anymore. He did it for one weekend. Yeah, it was stupid. Shout out to my boy Mike Rome, man. Hopefully hopefully Randy Orton got in his ear and yelled stupid at him for two hours and he changed it. (laughs) Christ all Friday. <laughs> okay, let me tell you what happened actually, during actually this match. Actually, it's all Friday, yeah. but you know. So, during this match and during the tag team match, Ross was going ahead and just looking at old YouTube videos of Edge and Christian playing the kazoo. Yes. You <laughs> think you know me. You think you know me. And he did it in slow motion, and he did it in, like, ten times the speed of what's normal. And it was hysterical every single time. Yes. I was more I was more enthralled with that than some of this pay per view. Yeah, than the last three matches we just talked about. It's my time. It's my time. All right, get out, get out. Cripes awesome. all Friday. Cripes all Friday. That's great. I love comedy Kurt. Kurt. He is the man. Comedy Kurt was the best. Actually, comedy Edge and Christian were great too. Yes. Remember the uh, remember the five second pose? Of course. Who Amazing. doesn't? Amazing. Let me ask you a quick question: Comedy Kurt or Wrestling Machine 2006 Kurt. Comedy Kurt. Really? Comedy Kurt's way better. Even though Kurt Angle as a wrestling machine was an absolute, like, he couldn't be killed. Because Kurt Angle, even though he was comedy Kurt, was still. Terminator. Right, but he was still awesome because he was comedy Kurt, like, cheating, but still the best heel. I know. It was great. It was still awesome. Kurt Angle with the mouthpiece, like, man, talk about a scary sight. Look, would you rather have Kurt Angle with the mouthpiece or Kurt Angle with the cowboy hat and the badge backstage with Austin? That's a Great question. That's a, that's a podcast exactly. in itself, right there. Plus, he can always say that uh, he won that hilarious uh, Hell in a Cell match where Rikishi got shoved off into a, a truck filled with hay. Ah, the Hell in a Cell six man match. 
where he retained the WWF title. He did. Yeah, I, I put that on my top five Stone Cold Steve Austin matches ever, and you told me to take it off. Because he said, well, that doesn't count. Well, it's not oh. a Stone Cold Steve Austin well, match. Well, Stone Cold Steve Austin was very heavily involved in that match, given the fact that he was a competitor. Now, that's not the point. Now, if you want to say that's the greatest Bikishi match of all time. Well, that's not even a close. That's not even Because he's a bad man. By the way, I still want the Usos to come out to that horrible theme one time. <laughs> I'm a bad man. All right, so we were discussing Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke won with Kinshasa. Is there anything else you need to know? Um... That, yes, actually, the Miz kicked out of a Kinshasa to the back of the head. That was actually relative, that was pretty shocking. Other than that, no, that's it. All right. I picked it wrong, so Ross tied it. I I did tie it. This is great. This is fabulous. Now, we did get to a controversial next match because the J-Man and I were not uh, firmly decided on what we should do, so we just decided that neither of us are getting a point. Got thrown out. It just got totally thrown out. Oh, let's talk. Becky Lynch defending her Raw Women's title against Sasha Banks. So it was the man versus the boss. So here's the thing about this match. Um, I've gone on record on this podcast stating on multiple occasions that even though a lot of people will say Bailey versus Sasha Banks is one of the is is the greatest women's match in not just NXT history but WWE history as a whole, I have firmly, as much as I love that match, I have firmly stated. And continue to state to this day that the best match in NXT women's history is Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch two months prior to the first Brooklyn. Hmm. Now, the reason I bring this up is because obviously we had Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks tonight. Right. It's hard to live up to that match because that match was – I'm not going to say it was perfect. There's no perfect match unless you're – I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm – renouncing his name for this evening there's no perfect match right but damn this was close and i always raise that bar and you would think that two women who have had four years more experience and one of them being the hottest commodity in women's wrestling today would be able to match that level i don't know if they quite did it the match overall itself ross because you watched you actually did watch and you did pay attention to this match because you wanted to because of the booking decisions and things of that nature. The match overall qu- the match quality overall was relatively strong. Would am I wrong in that assessment? You I'll, I'll tell you what, I I know you're thinking. I will say this. Ross made a very good point when we were getting ready to watch this match and he said Sasha has a ton, and he means a ton of ring rust. And that is absolutely accurate. The last time Sasha had any type of fluid match was WrestleMania of this year. You don't, you can't count. You can start to count, I guess, when she had the match with Natalia two weeks ago. And then, of course, last week we saw the tag team match with Charlotte and Becky and Bailey. That's a little bit more, but not quite to where she needs to be just yet. Here's my answer to your question. Go ahead. This is one of the many matches mm-hmm. that I will look back and go, that didn't need to go 20 minutes. Fair. fair. Given, the circ- given the booking circumstances? I would sure. have told you the way that they booked this match, this match should have gone 12. Maybe 15 at the most. And that's pushing it. And even then, because to me... It ended in an old contest. Look, this is... Well, no. 
Oh, you're right. It ended and, by and disqualification. That's correct. Sasha so, Banks won via disqualification. So, so Sasha Banks brought a chair into the ring. She was going to use it uh-huh. because, you know, she's a stupid heel, which heels are supposed to be stupid. She brought a chair right in front of the ref thinking she could use it and still win the title. So then Becky picks up the chair and hits the ref with it. Now, but- to be – Sasha moved out of the way, which is the reason why Becky ended up nailing the ref. Okay. Now, problem number one. Okay. First of all, Becky shouldn't need to use the chair because she's a babyface and she should be able to out-wrestle Sasha Banks. That's number one. But, oh, wait, she's still a tweener that I complain about every week. Number two, that ref was down for an hour on a chair shot to the ribs. To, to the shoulder. I know you said you weren't going to say it. I'm going to say it. He looked like he got shot and couldn't get up. Legitimately. He was out. <laughs> he was out. He okay. was out cold. To, are there a chair no other, shot to the shoulder. Are there no other refs anywhere by that can just run out and call for the bell? Where was Mike Kyoto tonight? Where was Mike Kyoto tonight? I don't know. He must have been on vacation, clearly. Where, where was my boy John Cohn? He was. He, he could have come out just to help out before he went on for the main event. That's bullshiggity. What was he, hang out in, in the buffet waiting for the main event? He was probably watching on his iPad on FaceTime, Nicholas, playing a baseball game, like you said. One, two, slick back. He was working on that the whole night. Ross said that Nicholas went 0 for 4. With four on strikeouts. strikeouts. All looking. Exactly. No, no swinging, all looking. I was convinced John Cohn was going to screw over Rollins in the main event because his boy was Braun Strowman. That's all I'm saying. The point is oh, that gracious. then, after the match was not really thrown out because the bell never rang. They fought in the audience for like a good six minutes. They not only fought in the audience, they fought up and on the concourse and back down. Sasha Banks had mustard on her back at one point. Um, and then they just broke it up. Yeah. And then... Becky gets in the ring, about to attack Sasha some more, and instead of leaving and going to get her belt, she demands that somebody goes and gives her a belt. I don't know, a heel thing to do? It was very weird. It was very weird. And it made me frustrated as a Becky Lynch fan that they keep, they're doing weird things with her booking. And it's frustrating because I'm a fan of Becky Lynch. I'm a fan of the man gimmick. Yes, I am. I know. Shocking, right? Like, I'm a fan of this whole gimmick. And then they just do awkward things like this. They treated Sasha Banks, who looked like a freaking zombie this evening. She looked pale for half the match. I said something when we were watching the match. And I'm not going to say it on this podcast because I'm going to get in trouble. The point was, basically, they had Mike Rome do his job because he was quiet for 20 minutes. And they were like, hey, you need to speak if you want to go ahead and get paid. Well, give him a line to speak, guys. That being said, it was just awkward. An awkward way. I get it. You want to elongate the feud? That's fine. Hey, listen. Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch? That's a big-time feud. That's a big-time money feud. You get all you can out of this. You go ahead and get all the legs that you possibly can. However, this evening's booking for this match was just plain awkward and it didn't do the to me the strong in-ring work that was happening tonight and by the way you mentioned ring rust i think sasha went ahead and got rid of all that ring rust this evening personally i'm not saying she looked amazing but i will say that she looked better than what i thought she would and shout out to her i've always said that her and becky have incredible chemistry obviously all four of the horsewomen happen to have great chemistry with one another i think that's i think that's a given right 
But uh, yeah, man, this that booking decision of uh, throwing it out and basically giving the win to Sasha via disqualification. Not feeling it. Not feeling it. Again, it existed. It was not NXT Unstoppable, that is for sure. It was not No, and by the way, and I've said this ad nauseum, you cannot compare NXT to main roster WWE. You cannot compare them. It's comparing apples and oranges. I'm not saying it's just you. I'm not trying to attack you right now. I just get very upset when people are like, oh, well, did you watch NXT? It was so much better than all the wrestling. It's because they're two separate shows, idiots. No, I get that. And I know you're not calling me an idiot, by the way. No, I'm not. Yeah, I know. I'm just frustrated with people that don't know the difference. No, I know, but I'm talking about Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. I, I get that NXT Triple H gives them more freedom to work within the ring. Obviously, they're, they're, they they work stiffer. They get a little bit more creative in the ring. Am I, that, that's that's what I'm trying to say. However, if you were expecting ahead. an NXT quality match after Sasha Banks was off with four months, I'm going to say that you had too high of expectations. Probably, but... I just, even when they've had other matches previous in like 2016 and 2017, they still weren't up to par. That's all I'm saying. That That's what I'm referring to. I got you. But overall, okay. strong for what they could pull off. Strong considering the fact that the booking decision was Sasha Banks via, winning via disqualification. It was, it was still strong. And it was as good as Becky has looked in the ring since January with the Oscar match. There we go. I, I just... It existed. So Sasha wins by DQ. So even though Sasha won, she didn't win the title. So it's that weird thing of, do you win because she technically won? Do I win because she didn't win the title? So we're just going to say it's a wash. Yeah. I think that's fair. It's the fair thing to do. We're fair on this podcast. If anything, in the words of Ross, we're consistent. Well, I am at least. Am I inconsistent? Well, you decided to use my booking and it it, it just completely backfired on you tonight. (laughs) It did, didn't it? Yeah, good job. Son of an actual biscuit. It's a good thing Joe wasn't on this pay-per-view. You would have picked him to win the world title again. Last year, I picked Strowman to win the universal title at this exact same time last year. Guess what? That backfired on me, too. It did. And yet, look at me. I'm barely beating you after all those fumbles. What does that say about me? (laughs) Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. We made a video on this at the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram. One and only J-Man 19. Boss the real, Ross the real boss 85. I did not live tweet on Twitter this evening. I apologize. I was pretty much done with this pay-per-view halfway through, and I just decided not to pick it up. So that's why it didn't happen. Thank goodness I would have had a lot of hate and a lot of just awful things to say on Twitter, and I just didn't want to do that. So Tell you what, Ross. Let me go at it. Okay. Two things wrong with this title match. Jumping right in. Go for it. One. The placement of it. We talk about placement of matches consistently on this freaking podcast. Who thought that it was a good idea to throw Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton a match that was high profile as this right after the craziness that was Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks right before it? Who made that call? I'll tell you who made that call. It was Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And you know exactly why they made that call with what they did for the rest of the pay-per-view. Right. That's fine. Whatever. So at some level, I understand and I share your frustration. I know. However. I appreciate it. With how they ended this show and what they decided to end the main event on, 
It actually makes sense that it was here. Okay, that's fair. I would not have put the Kofi Kingston-Randy Orton match right after the Becky Lynch-Sasha Banks match. Thank you. So yes, the placement is correct. I'm just redirecting it back towards, even though it wasn't the main event, at least it was put in a spot in the back third or back fourth of the pay-per-view where it needed to be. It was a real semi-main. And was still treated as a main event. Yes, and that's fine. However... I'm getting sick and tired of this whole Universal Championship is more important than the WWE title. I get it. They're trying to add prestige to a new title when the other title has existed for 45 or 50 years and it's already got its own prestige and it doesn't need any more thing. Jorge, yeah. it's the title on Raw. I know. but It is the most prestigious title because it's on Raw. The sooner you accept that, the better your life will be. I get that, Ross. Remember all I the just... time that your boy Triple H was the world heavyweight champion and yeah. that was the premier belt, even though it was the WCW belt and not the WWE title? Yes. No, I, to- I fully Same respect Same difference. That. I fully respect that. But let me go ahead and use WrestleMania 20 for an example, and then that's going to go ahead and make my point. Okay. When WrestleMania 20 came around, the Eddie Guerrero-Kurt Angle feud was fire, right? Well, you're also talking about the greatest WrestleMania main event of all time. I know, but just hear me out for a second. What my, my my point is, Eddie Guerrero was versus Kurt Angle. The feud, not the match, the feud was fire. Okay. Okay. Now the match, of course, we all know how good it was. However, the bigger, not even the bigger, just even as good as Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle, the feud was the better storyline was still Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. Therefore, to me. That match should have automatically been invented, which it ended up doing so. Nowadays, in 2019, they still have this thing of even though it's the best storyline on television, they don't want to make it the main event for whatever reason. Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton is by far the best told story, the best booked storyline in professional wrestling at this moment. That includes anything that is going on in All Elite Wrestling. That that includes anything that's going on in Impact. Any wrestling promotion all over the world. Kofi, Randy, best storyline. How does that not warrant, regardless of who shows up at the end of the main event, how does that not warrant that main event slot? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Let's talk about the match itself. All right. Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton. I will freely admit to you that I have criticized Randy Orton as much as I have praised him. Yes, you have. Because there are times where Randy Orton is motivated. There are times where Randy Orton is the most cerebral person that is a mainly full-timer that they have on this entire roster. Yeah. He is the new cerebral assassin, to coin a term, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm not saying he's your boy Triple H. No, he's not. I'm just saying that of guys that wrestle more than once a year, he's essentially that guy or that type of character. He shows up like about every two to three weeks on WWE television and for the most part shows up at every single pay-per-view. Yes. When he, he, when he wants to be, he can be the best wrestler in this company. Mm-hmm. Full all-around WWE superstar that this company has. Yes. And there's some really – by the way, I still say AJ Styles is the best wrestler on the planet. He is. Yeah. But overall, WWE, there are times where I will tell you with a straight face, Orton's the best WWE superstar they have for good reason. Yes. Tonight, he was going through the motions. He was old Randy Orton, old Eeyore. That's who he was to me. 
and it took away from the match. And to me, the reason why that – he was a mixture of that to me, and I think genuinely him and Kofi were probably really irritated that they weren't the main event tonight. That's my personal okay. opinion. I don't know if that's the case. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Would you have ra- Would you have rather have seen the end of the pay-per-view end with Kofi hitting Trouble in Paradise and pinning Randy Orton clean or the way they ended the pay-per-view? With all it being said and done, mm-hmm. because it didn't end the way that I would have booked it, I understand why they did it. That's cool. Yes. So I would have rather ended it the way that the pay-per-view actually ended. Yes. Because if it would have ended with Randy Orton being the new WWE champion. That's when it would have been Mark out galore and I would have been okay with it. Not because I picked it that way, but just because it was crazy. It would have been a so crazy moment. still would have picked it to end the show regardless of how they ended the show. I would have. No. I because of Kofi just winning clean, mm-hmm. that's how the match ended. Then no, that's fine. How they ended the show this evening, if Randy Orton was winning the world title tonight, that should have main evented. Interesting. I would still argue that the way the show ended, regardless of how the WWE title match went, ended the way it needed to. Okay, fair enough. All good. Because of what they teased for the last two weeks, right. Which is why, even though I agree with you that it's the best feud in WWE, I am not surprised that the main event of the show was the Universal title because The Fiend was challenging one of the two of them. And, and The Fiend is the most over thing in wrestling right now. Other than maybe Chris Jericho, I completely agree with you. And that's saying a lot because Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston are right up there. It's all about the bubble. Sure is. Just saying. Yeah. So uh, Randy Orton almost busted out the punt tonight, which was kind of cool. That was very vintage heel randy orton right there where he was punting all of the mcmahons and that was his finisher he was not really using the rko which is a nice little wrinkle yeah. that i wish more characters would use and that they would switch up things when yeah. they turn babyface randy or orton randy orton almost beat kofi Kingston with the rko the only reason why he didn't was because kofi was really close to the ropes and was able to get his foot up so as the match went on um there were points where i thought that they had very good chemistry in the ring. But to me, it's it's even though it's been a good feud, mm-hmm. I feel like the better parts of the feud have been outside of the ring. Yes, promos. That's my fights. opinion, of course. I feel, I feel you on that. You know, you I actually, wish... You even said that you thought that the double, D, the double count out and... Excuse me. The match at SummerSlam, even though you hated the way that that match ended... Was a better was wrestling better match. match? Yes, That's it was. Thought, yeah. To me... Now, I will tell you... Because Orton did not act as if he was going through the motions. Uh-huh. Oh, and by the way, I still find it funny how Kofi Kingston's like, Ugh, Orton got my family involved. Uh, Kofi, you put your family in the front row in a match where Randy Orton has basically said that he wants to kill you, yeah. essentially, and put you back down to where you've been the last 10 years. As a person who actually supports Kofi Kingston, I will agree with you and support you in that assessment. So he's upset at himself, not Randy Orton. Yeah, but he's taking it on Randy Orton. Of course he is, yeah. because he's a weird baby face that's like kind of pseudo turning, but not really. It's weird. Anyway. It is very interesting, isn't it? So I would have told you that this would have been a perfect opportunity to change the title. Mm-hmm. However, they decided that one trouble in paradise, Randy Orton crumples to the ground, one, two, three, and still for WWE champion Kofi. Kingston. It really has become the move that is coming out of nowhere now, isn't it? 
Well, it just means that they're saving uh, Kofi losing the title for uh, October SmackDown 4th, on Fox. Potentially, potentially, yeah. Which which would be really weird considering that it's the go-home show for, for Hell in a Cell. So does that mean – actually, I don't know what that means. We can, means. we can either. We can discuss that on another show. Yeah. Because if they change the title, does it mean that they're going to do a title change and then have a title match with the two of them? Are they going to get a third person involved? Are we going to have some weird – I mean, we just talked about a Hell in a Cell match that had six people in it. I mean, they could set something up where, you know, Orton and Kofi and Roman and Daniel Bryan and some other people are in it. Two more people I would add, because you've already mentioned four, right? Uh-huh. With the way that everything went down tonight, you probably want to add Rowan, because it looks yep. like he's getting pushed up to the sky. And just for a wrinkle, Big E. Just, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Could I'd- be. They they did two evolution members in uh, uh, the second ever elimination chamber excuse me elimination chamber match back in two thousand and three. It's not impossible. Three. But, no, it was two because Orton was, was already kicked out. No, 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 I'm not talking about that elimination chamber. I'm talking about the two thousand and three one when Goldberg was running rampant over everybody. Batista oh. wasn't in that match. It wasn't until like a year and a half later, and Randy Orton was a baby face. Because the one I'm time. thinking about that was right after Orton had been kicked out of That's the correct. group, which started the feud and With, the separation between Dave and yes. your boy Triple H. That that elimination chamber match happened at New Year's Revolution, which occurred in the great city of my home country, San Juan, Puerto Rico. That was 2005. What's really funny is that both of those chambers will be remembered for two very different reasons. Yes. That was the night where we saw the breaking, the slow breaking of evolution, Mm -hmm. the remaining members that were left. That was also the night where we had our first money in the bank cash in. Yes. Because that was Edge cashing in after John Cena had barely survived. Wrong one. Wrong New Year's revolution. Yeah, one year So the one before that. Uh, yes, 2005 was the Puerto Rico one with okay. with everybody. I thought that one was also in Puerto Rico, but okay. No, the 2006 one took place in like New York or something like that. I'm going to look this up right Go now. Go for it. But overall, the match of Kofi with Orton, it'll be really interesting what they do in the next few weeks. Uh, I feel like WWE might be booking themselves into a corner with the whole Hell in a Cell situation happening. And then, you know, two days prior to that, SmackDown on Fox premiering. It's going to be really, really interesting. One thing that we did notice that they made public on WWE today was the draft is happening one week after their premiere on Fox. With the first picks happening on SmackDown and then two days later, or three days later, excuse me, the second night of the draft happening on Monday Night Raw. Go ahead, Ross. What would you find? Albany, New York. Ah, perfect. Right on the money. There you go. Me trying to sound smart and acting like a jackass. No, no, there no, we on go. the contrary. Okay. Kofi Kingston wins. I move on with my life. <laughs> Eric Rowan versus Roman Reigns in the only title match. That, or sorry. See, there I go screwing up again. <laughs> it was the only match that was not a title match. I'm tired. I'm over this pay-per-view. Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns in a no disqualification match. The only one that didn't have a special intro. They beat each other up for 17 minutes. This match was so much better than it had any right. Oh, my be. gosh. It was insane. I will tell you right now. It was the best match on the card, Up until wasn't it? this match, up until this point in the show, this was the best match of the show. Yeah. No, I kind of agree with you. I think it was the second best match of the show. It's crazy. Who would have thought? For those of you, okay, let's just, can we get it out there in the open, Ross? 
For those of you who say that Roman can't wrestle, for those of you that he that say he sucks and he it shouldn't be anywhere near anywhere having to do with WWE, can you please just shut the hell up and appreciate what this man is doing? Not just post leukemia, just overall as a whole. This man is absolutely blessed with talent. Okay, just shut up and appreciate what you're watching out of Roman Reigns because he even made Eric Rowan, who I'm not throwing shade at Eric Rowan. But he even made Eric Rowan look like this complete, absolute monstrosity of a human being. He did that for Eric Rowan. The Big Show couldn't even do that for Eric Rowan. The Authority couldn't even make do that for Eric Rowan. But Roman Reigns did. Mind blown. By the way, I don't know when they decided that he's now Eric Rowan again. Like three weeks ago. All right. Yeah. He's got weird music. It is better than his sheep herder music with the weird bells. Sounded like something from the show Kung Fu, the series from TNT. I just figured we were lost in a Netflix episode with his last theme. <laughs> Actually, with this theme, I'm lost in a Netflix episode, too. It's like, ugh, Marvel presents Eric Rowan. <laughs> You're going to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and be like, what the hell is that theme music? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> So it was a no disqualification match, which means that uh, pinfalls or submissions still had to happen in the ring. Yep. But it was not false count anywhere, so you could go all over the building, but you still had to bring them back to the ring. Mm-hmm. So they went into the crowd. Roman went through two tables. Yes, he did. Oh, that spot with the power bomb. Yes. So basically, to kind of explain what happened, Roman Reigns is going for his signature Superman punch, and he's going to do it off the steel steps, which means that he's going to be getting additional elevation, which means that the punch is going to be extra hard. Anyways, he gets caught in midair off the steel steps by Rowan, and then he brings him towards a table. He pumps him up what we think is going to be a choke bomb, which means that he grabs him by the throat and then lifts. But instead of just lifting, he throws him up. Like a rag doll. Ladies and gentlemen, let me explain something to you about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is like six foot two, like two sixty. He is not a small human. He got picked up and thrown onto Eric Rowan's shoulders like nothing, and then proceeded to take a wicked power bomb through the table. Wicked. Bravo to both men involved, because that was absolutely a stunning visual and a stunning maneuver. Carry on, Roswell. Eric Rowan. He looked really good in this match. Looked the best he's ever looked. I take that back. There is one match where Eric Rowan looked better than this match. And this match was special. Because it is, to the best of my knowledge, the best six-man tag this company's ever put on. And by the way, there's another six-man tag which involved the same six people that happened three weeks later that was really good, too. Talking about the Elimination Chamber match. Between the Shield and the Wyatt family. Was that two thousand wait, let me try and guess the year, Mr. Historian, since I've screwed everything else up. Two thousand fourteen? My man. Not yeah. a boy. All right. This Shield, match should that match should have happened at WrestleMania thirty. Shield versus the Wyatts. That match should have happened at WrestleMania thirty, but it's fine because it just means that it's Elimination Chambers pay per views, one of their top three greatest matches ever. Easily. Easily. By the way, Bray Wyatt has had amazing success at Elimination Chamber. He sure has. They won that match. He won the WWE title at Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of success at WrestleMania, though. No, he's never won at WrestleMania, now that I think about it. It's a shame. It's a bull. That may change this year. I pray to God it does. So uh, they did the camera spot, except uh, Roman hit Rowan. Got it. There you go. Yep. Yeah. 
switch the W. The big dog hit the sheep herder. There you go. The tree, if you will. Yeah, why not? The Iron Claw. Isn't that his That's finisher? That's the move. Yes. Thank move. God it's not White Claw. Yikes. They had a shortage of those. I would have blamed uh, Eric Rowan for that, actually. <laughs> Man. Yes. So they did that spot, and then uh, Roman a- Reigns was setting up for the Super Spear. Yeah, well, Mega Spear, because this means that he's running 30 feet. Excuse me. Well, By the way, I forgot to mention this. Why was Shinsuke Nakamura wearing a cape tonight? If anybody <laughs> was wearing a cape tonight, it should have been Roman Reigns. And even then, I still wouldn't validate the fact that he should wear one either. Anyway. Yeah. Now you're right on that assessment right there. So, he's setting up for the Mega Spear. And all of a sudden, who attacks Roman Reigns? The missing in action or the previously missing in action? Luke Harper! Luke Harper hasn't been seen on WWE television since, like, WrestleMania weekend. Didn't he try and get out of his contract? Sure and they did. were like, no, we're not letting you out of your contract. Yeah, yeah, he did. So we've got a great idea for you. After WrestleMania weekend, we're gonna we're gonna keep you on ice because actually, which one of the two of them got hurt? Harper. Okay, it was Harper that got hurt. Oh wait, 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 hold on, wait, wait. Who who injured their biceps? Rowan. They were the did. Bludgeon Brothers. Excuse me, Rowan. It was did. Rowan. Yes. Okay. So Harper really didn't have much to do. Nope. Rowan was hurt, mm-hmm. and then after WrestleMania, Luke Harper was like because he was in that weird. Actually, was he in? He was in the WrestleMania Access stuff. What was going on? That that, that second World's Collide tournament or whatever it was. Right, but wasn't he in? Was he in a battle royal in Saudi Arabia or was he in a battle royal at a WrestleMania? I think he was. A, oh no, it was WrestleMania 35 this week this year. He was in the battle. royal. He was just in the battle royal. I yep. remember seeing him and being like, "Luke Harper." Yeah, he was wearing his black undershirt. Okay. Yeah. So. We're like, all right, here's what's going to happen. It's April. Come September, we've got a plan for you. You're going to hang out with your buddy. And basically, instead of the Bludgeon Brothers being back, you guys are going to be Rowan and Harper again. But you both get your first names back. Yes. Because so it's, it's Luke yes. Harper. So it's Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. They then promptly decided to double-team Roman Reigns. Yep. Eric Rowan hit the iron claw in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. Your winner, Eric Rowan. Easily the biggest win of his career. Oh, it's not even close because the 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 win that they got with the Wyatt family, he was part of the group, and that was basically Bray as the as the as the as the leader. This is Rowan getting a clean, and I have to say clean because it's a no disqualification match, so everything that happened in the match was allowed to happen. Easily the biggest win of his career. The I have, I do have a little bit of a major problem okay. with this. I understand why you're upset that Daniel Bryan was not involved. Not even, not even the Daniel Bryan thing. Okay, it's just, it's so Drew McIntyre couldn't beat Roman at all. Correct, but Rowan can. Yes, well, he also had help from Luke Harper. Drew McIntyre had Shane freaking McMahon at ringside. Who did Drew McIntyre help Shane McMahon beat? Was that The Miz in a match? Oh, he helped them beat Roman Reigns. There you go. Yeah, So Saudi Arabia. So, so there you go. So Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon beat Roman Reigns. Drew McIntyre couldn't beat him, and Shane McMahon couldn't beat him by himself. I can't. I'm just I, saying. I, I can't. I'm just saying. Look. It's okay. All right. I'm going I'm to I'm be okay. I'm here to tell you now. Yeah. And, and if I don't speak for everybody, that's fine because I'm going to speak for myself. Go for because it. Because that's what is, we do on the show. This you is, speak this, for yourself. This is, well, but, but the thing is that this is how the universe thinks. 
No one wants to see Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. Why? Because they're going to cheer the wrong guy. No one's going to cheer Roman Reigns in that feud. No one. I'll cheer for Roman. Yes, but that's also because you're not a mark and you don't cheer for people just for and you know I love Daniel Friday's Bryan. sake. Now oh, that's stuck in my head. Thanks, Kurt Angle. <laughs> no, because no, because you'll actually cheer for the babyface instead of hating Roman Reigns for five years for no reason. That's all. Fans have hated Roman Reigns for something that happened in 2014, and they've never forgiven him for it. They even booed The Rock. It was 2015, actually, but yeah. Oh, excuse me. Did I screw something else up, too? No, no. It's just 2014. That was when Batista won the Royal Rumble, which they also hated Dave Batista for. Mm-hmm. And then 2015, Roman won in Philly, mm-hmm. and that's when Rock came to help him out. Yeah. And Bray Wyatt. They should have been mad at Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was the one that eliminated Daniel Bryan, not Roman Reigns. I Maybe. know. I get think they should just be mad at Vince and not Roman. Maybe. Roman isn't the one booking. Correct. He's, he's not pulling a Kevin Nash pulling the uh, booking card at WCW. No. By the way, shout out to Roman Reigns for letting Eric Rowan pin him clean. Eric Rowan pinned Roman Reigns clean. Think about that. By the way, think about that. Luke Harper's discus clothesline, amazing. He that that's how you do it, Natty. That's how you're supposed to do it. Not your stiffness. You know who you know who used to do an awesome discus lariat? Actually, two guys that used to do it very very well. Their names were Diamond Dallas Page and Scott Hall. Ah, yes. And you know who has the best clothesline ever? John Bradshaw Layfield. That clothesline from hell? Only when Heath Slater's selling it. How about when everybody's selling it? I'm just saying. I mean, Eddie Guerrero flipped like six times after a clothesline from hell. I'm just saying. (laughs) Eric Rowan. Perhaps he's getting a uh, world title match soon. (laughs) Because when you beat Roman Reigns, clearly... They Big think very high. Look, let's put it this way. Yeah. If Eric Rowan is not booked into some type of world title feud, either before the end of this year or the end of next year, there was no reason for him to win this match. Agreed. That's the thing that I have. That's the problem. Because I'm okay, I'm fully okay with them bolstering the tag team division. I put that on our Instagram post. I'm totally fine they with Rowan and this. Harper being back. They needed this. Like This is one of the better tag teams that they've had in a long time. They are a big men tag team that can go with basically anybody regardless of their size. We know the chemistry that these two have together as a team. I'm just wondering why did they choose to use the feud with Roman Reigns as a reason to put Harper and Rowan back together. Whereas the whole premise of this is to it was supposed to be for Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. Like I'm just so utterly confused by this all that's that's my point i get it but overall though huge win for eric rowan awesome match between these two and i like no dq matches and this was this was definitely one of the better matches on this card tonight oh if you would have told me that eric rowan versus roman reigns was going to be the better match of the show not only one of the best matches of the show Mm -hmm. but one of the most memorable matches of the show he would have told me. I would have laughed at you and threatened to do, like, unspeakable things to you. I don't know how to feel about that last comment there, but that's fair, I guess. I'm just saying. Fair enough. I would have I would have been distraught. Yes. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, it means we only got one match left to talk about. It was the main event. The event. That was the main. 
It is Seth Rollins retaining, or I should say... Defending. Defending and retaining because he did win this match. He did. He beat Braun Strowman for the Universal title. Okay. This match. This match. Okay, first of all, this match was truly special. This was match of the night, everybody. Uh, Yeah. Worthy of it being the main event. After all was said and done, yes. And what's really funny is... These two kind of have weird chemistry yes, together. Yes, they do. Not just as partners, but as opponents, definitely. Now, I'm not saying that Seth Rollins has the same chemistry with Braun Strowman that he did, say, with Brock Lesnar. Well, that's because Brock Lesnar overall is a better wrestler than Braun Strowman. However, it is a good and common theme that Seth Rollins is able to have really good matches with much bigger guys. It's like... Very similar to what AJ Styles does, where he can be able to put on different good matches with different opponents of different sizes and different styles. Pun intended. I'm going to ask you a question because I don't want to sound more foolish than I already have to. Okay. Has AJ Styles ever wrestled Braun Strowman? If you you talk about... In a one-on-one match. Yes, because it happened like three weeks ago. How do I? How did I forget this then? Because it was completely pointless. Because it ended by DQ, and it was oh, it was for a U.S. title match. How did I forget that? Yeah, because my memory is terrible. No, but it, but that was the first time that they had ever done so. They haven't done so in the last three years that AJ Styles has been signed to the company. I'm just going to stop saying that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. No, because I'm just going to sound stupider every time I try. Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman had the match of the night. It it went. A grand total of 11 minutes. Didn't need to go much longer, though. No. No. The way that everything went down, this was, this was cool. So, Braun Strowman was taking lots of kicks to the face. Yes. Uh, Seth Rollins was taking a beating on the outside. Take, he took an ass whooping tonight. He, uh, he got ran over, I think, four times Something with... Like uh, Strowman's running around all over the place. Yeah, that was if great. You, if you thought Brock Lesnar beat the crap out of Seth Rollins, you had another thing coming tonight. They used tables. They used well. They didn't use plunder because it wasn't an ODQ <laughs> match. But uh, Braun Strowman stepped on a table and basically broke it. No, no. Braun Strowman was thrown against a table. He tripped and it broke. <laughs> I laugh because now. Now, I believe the tables were already weak from the Kofi and Randy match. Oh, yeah, because Randy did his uh, drops onto the announce table, which yes. he almost killed the Singh brother once with it. Seth Rollins was setting up Braun Strowman for what appeared to be a splash or something on the Spanish announce table. Yep. The Spanish announce guys were running for the hills at this point. <laughs> what Braun Strowman rose barricade. from the dead, shoved down Seth Rollins a couple of times. They mm-hmm. were... Setting up some spot in the corner, he shoved Seth Rollins off the rope. Seth Rollins was, was trying to go for a superplex off the top rope, with I, which I thought that was not a good idea. And then Braun Strowman was climbing to the top rope. Corey Graves was confused. We Michael, were confused. Michael Cole was confused. Renee we Young. were confused. The WWE Universe was confused. Probably Seth Rollins was confused. <laughs> I'm guessing Braun Strowman was like, what, what did I agree to? I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon, your boy Triple H, everybody we're, in the back was we're like marking out backstage. Was like, please don't fall and die. <laughs> he looked like he was. Braun Strowman almost slipped off off the top rope. No joke. Um, so oh, he 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 caught himself, thankfully. 
because I thought he was going to take a spill. <laughs> it was scary. When you see a six foot eight, three hundred and eighty five pounder on the top rope like that, you start to worry about life. And then Air Monster happened. Air Strowman. Wow. He just dove like a bus off of a cliff. (laughs) Corey Graves pretty sure said that a bus landed on Seth Rollins, which is not too far from the truth. And he caught Seth Rollins squash. Square in the the chest. My now, qu- my question is, how? Listen, I always ask how people kick out of things, and I get this. Mm-hmm. Pro wrestling is choreographed. How? Who thought that it was okay to choreograph a three hundred and eighty-five pounder jumping from the top rope for a splash, and then having that person kick out of that move? Because Seth Rollins kicked out and, at like two and a half. And to be perfectly honest with you, the crowd expected. Marked. Braun Strowman to win on a, on a move like that. Because why wouldn't you, though? Because everything that happened after that match, there were audible boos for Seth Rollins. Oh, very much so. Now, this is the next part of the match. This is where it got really crazy. So Braun Strowman hits him with this incredible move that he's never done that everybody was like, holy cow. Please add that to your move set going forward. Just... Make make sure you make sure your feet are set. I don't need another near death experience from a <laughs> near four hundred pound man. Okay, for damn sure. So, Seth Rollins recovers. He hits a curb stomp. Yeah. Seth, or sorry, Braun Strowman kicked out at one. If, one. If that the crowd immediate. stunned. Seth Rollins flabbergasted. You and I, mind blown. Blown. He hits another one. Kicks out at two. Did he hit his third one? He hit a third okay. one. Hit a third one. Still kicked out. Still kicked out. Now Strowman had been uh, Strowman had had hurt his knee earlier. Yeah, because he went through a few different steel steps. Yes, plus the table spot, plus him probably landing because you know he's that, jumping that, from. That doesn't hurt or anything. Of course not. You know, since it's all fake and completely you know non-athletic at all, you right? Screw yourselves. So. The fourth one's about to come. Mm-hmm. He catches him. He's about to do the running power slam, which, by the way, is one of the most protected finishers and one of the most believable finishers in all of WWE. By A far. large man running and slamming you with the full force right into the ground. Yep. Knee gives out. Seth Rollins says, I got to dig into my bag of tricks. Really dig in. And he used a move he has not used in how long? Two years. He busted out the pedigree. Your boy, Triple H, the pedigree. Okay, first of all, shout out to Strowman for being able to go ahead and sell the pedigree super well. Because every time that I've seen Seth Rollins try to hit the pedigree, everybody never, like, nobody lands correctly. There's only been three people that I've seen that have actually landed correctly for Seth Rollins' pedigree. Triple H himself, Neville, and Roman Reigns. Everybody else, every single time, botched it horrendously. So shout out to Strowman for actually landing it super well. Carry on. He then hits a fourth curb stomp. One, One, two, three. Close to half that arena was booing. Your winner, and still universal champion, the arsonist, Seth Rollins. This was match of the night. It was. 
this match, and I loved, I loved the Brock Lesnar Seth Rollins match as the main event of SummerSlam. This match, I'm not going to say it was better because it wasn't. This match was very strong, though. And shout out to Braun Strowman for bringing it tonight. Shout out to Seth Rollins for being able to go ahead and carry this match the way he did. And then the whole arena marked out. Seth Rollins is about to end the pay-per-view. Yep. You even saw the uh, copyright. Michael Cole is about to end the pay-per-view. Yeah. You saw the copyright insignia at the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Lights go out. Creepy noises. Everybody went crazy. The Fiend showed up. Oh, did he? And I was eating my dinner, too, and I kind of freaked out. He hit Sister Abigail. He looked spooky. He put on the mandible claw. And he looked spooky. And then he had Seth Rollins, like, lying dead on his knee. That wasn't creepy. And then we went to black, and that's how the pay-per-view ended. So, uh, scoreboard-wise... We both picked Gulak. Mm-hmm. We both picked AJ. We both picked new Raw Tag Team Champions in Rude and Ziggler. We both picked Bailey to retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. Yep. You picked The Revival. They are the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Bliss and Cross retain their women's tag team titles. I picked Nakamura to retain his IC title. That happened. Sasha Banks won by disqualification. That is null and void for the points. I did pick Kofi Kingston. To retain the WWE title, that puts me up by one. We both did not pick Eric Rowan, (laughs) and we both picked Seth Rollins. So, for an 11-match card, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm up 86 to 85. Pretty solid through the September pay-per-views. That is ridiculous. I will remember this pay-per-view for two things. Air Strowman? Air Strowman and Eric Rowan. And Eric Rowan (laughs) beating Roman Reigns clean. The rest of the show, pretty forgettable. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question, because we've seen some great moments from Braun Strowman. Would you say that this is definitely up in his top three matches of his career? That's really high up, I know. Because what would you say is Braun Strowman's best match ever? I would tell you it's the Fatal 4-Way with Lesnar, Samoa Joe, and Roman Reigns. That's probably true. And then I would say his number two best match was the one that happened a month before that, which was the ambulance match with Roman Reigns at Great Balls of Fire. I would probably agree with you there, too. All right, so where would you put this match? Would you put that right behind it? Because this match was... Braun Strowman looked really good in this match, regardless of the loss. And I hate saying that because Braun Strowman keeps losing every single time he's in a main event for the title. Trying to think. You know what match we never got? And it's sad that we never got it. Remember after that Survivor Series match where your boy Triple H stole the win and got Kurt Angle eliminated and then it was him and Strowman? And then Strowman choked him out in the corner? We never got that match. We didn't. Unfortunately, I think Triple H was crapping his pants in that moment. He was probably, like, oh. uh, probably because he didn't want to put him over. Because he's uh, Triple H, got to get that win back. Didn't see an opportunity to get the win back since he had so many other feuds to do. You know, like beating Dave, <laughs> beating Jinder in Saudi. You know that hey, kind of thing. Randy, Randy went over in Saudi though. And by the way, he beat Jinder in India. Thank you, which is even worse. Unbelievable. See, <laughs> there you go. See. 
It's the theme of the night. I'm screwing everything up because I really just don't care. There it is. All right, programming notes so I can end this abomination of a show. Hey, our show was great. Well, your of, show Clash was of fine. Cha- Clash of Champions. Was Clash iffy. of Champions is blah. I'm over it. I'm done with the pay-per-view. All right, we have exciting news for the show. And that is that our programming will be changing with the fact that AEW is coming on Wednesdays. By the way, there's still no name of the show. I I don't know if they're just going to call it AEW Wednesdays. I don't know. They haven't announced that yet. I'm, I'm hoping they're going to announce that soon. But the AEW Weekly Show is coming on the 2nd of October. SmackDown is moving to Fridays starting October 4th on Fox. And then they have a pay-per-view that weekend. So, all right, you're going to have to help me through this because I know we talked it out on the phone. But the we're gonna plan is. So, next week... We're still doing a Thursday show. Correct. The following week, we are still doing a Thursday show. Right. The next week, we're st- we're not doing a Thursday we're not show. doing a Thursday show, and we're essentially bro- dropping two shows on Sunday. Yes. Okay. So which now it's going to be really weird. So basically, our prediction show for Hell in a Cell will literally be going live a couple of hours, a few hours prior to the start of Hell in a Cell. Yes. So that week will be. Raw on Monday, mm-hmm. then we'll have AEW and NXT on Wednesday. Yep. That SmackDown show will be Friday. We will have a show talking about that week on Sunday. We will have our preview and prediction show also on Sunday. We will then watch the pay-per-view, and then we will wait to do our review of that show for our new day. New day rocks. In this case, (laughs) which will be that Tuesday. It'll be a new day. Yes, it will. Yes. So the plan is that after Hell in a Cell, we will start doing shows on Tuesdays. Which means they'll be dropping on Wednesdays. So that will accommodate the fact that on Tuesday, we will have a full week of shows to recap. Correct. So we'll have... AEW and NXT first. So instead of Raw starting our week, it will end our week. So that first Tuesday show, which will be two days after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, we'll have a review show and we'll probably talk about Raw. That will be that show. Then the following Tuesday, we'll have a full length of shows. And that's going to be our new schedule until we get to pay-per-view weeks, which is going to be tricky because those are going to be go-home shows, so we'll, have to, we'll, we'll kind of have to play it week by week as to how we do that, because we may end up doing preview and prediction shows on Sundays. That may be how it has to be. I don't know that. We'll talk about it. But our schedule going forward is we're now going to be doing Tuesday shows instead of Thursday shows. You can blame SmackDown moving to Fridays for this change, because we don't want to shortchange anybody it just means we kind of have to rotate things around pay-per-views now instead of having everything be succinct like it's been. Right. So actually, you can blame uh, the fact that AEW is having television and they're moving SmackDown. If SmackDown was still on Tuesday, this wouldn't be a problem. Exactly. And not to mention, AEW also likes to go, is apparently doing pay-per-views on Saturdays. And they're also charging you 50 or to $55 for a pay-per-view. So once, once that gets going, uh, we'll have an update on what we're doing. I, I don't know our plan yet 
for AEW shows. I know some of them are, as of this moment, free. Some of them are not. Um, and we want to give you guys wrestling content, but it may be difficult on some of the AEW shows. We're going to do our very best. We'll have a workaround with that. We will cross that bridge when we get there. But that is our programming note. So that is the end of this show, which is our review show of the pay-per-view that we just watched, which is Clash of Champions. Regular show this upcoming Thursday. Then another regular show the following Thursday. So we have two more Thursday shows. And then we'll have our special shows, Hell in a Cell weekend. And then we start on Tuesdays with our review show of Hell in a Cell. That's a lot. It is. But... We knew this change was coming a while ago. We just didn't really pinpoint a day yet. Yeah, it was tricky. It's tricky to do so. We had to go ahead and figure out the logistics of everybody's schedule. We live lives. We have work. We have families. I don't even want to think about big four pay-per-views right now. I don't. I makes. Oh, and also, by the way, this is also going to get tricky. So, for those of you that don't know, they are moving NXT takeovers. They are not going to be the weekends of the big shows. They are moving them to other weekends. So, on those weekends, we may end up having to do a preview and prediction show on that Tuesday, which is before the go-home show of TakeOver, and then do a review show the Tuesday after the Saturday pay-per-view. It's going to be tough. I know. But it's or- Plus, it's not. It, at least it's not going to be the same weekend now. It just means it's just something else we have to talk about. Plus, NXT TakeOver shows are normally five matches, so they're shorter. True. It's all true. All these things are facts. So that's our that's our programming note. I am now going to end the show. Uh, the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram. One and only J-Man19. Ross the Real Boss 85. Boss Ross TDT on Twitter. I apologize. I was not live tweeting tonight. I will remedy that at the next pay-per-view. That is Hell in a Cell. That is coming up in roughly three weeks. Yes. Right around that time. That's correct. Somewhere in there. Because today's the 15th? Yes. Yeah. So like two Like and a three half, weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Ugh. Wow. They really need to go ahead and get this whole timing thing situated. Honestly, because they can't be just dropping pay-per-views after three weeks. It's ridiculous. Like, there's what the heck is going on in October that's causing you to do this? You crazy, uh, crazy Is there Saudi company. show in October or November? I thought it was November. I know I said I was ending the show, and I don't care because I want to look this up. All good. The next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell. Crown Jewel is October the 31st. Oh, look at that, on Halloween. Yes. That explains it. Last year, I think it was on November 2nd. Now, they are doing War Games the weekend of Survivor Series. Right, so that means that they're not, that, that takeover thing, that's not taking place until 2020. So, they are doing Worlds Collide. On the 25th. That will right. be a network exclusive. That is Royal Rumble weekend because it's the 26th in Houston. So NXT still... Houston will not be taking place. Or they are moving it. Yeah, whatever NXT Houston I was don't supposed to be, doing they're going to go ahead and so, move it to a different city at a later time. So as of this moment, the next... Now, they are saying that NXT TakeOver Boston's the same weekend as SummerSlam. So I don't know why they're telling me that it's not going to be the same weekend. Right, and NXT Tampa, I believe, is probably taking place the same weekend of uh, WrestleMania weekend. That is not listed, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Not listed. So I wonder if the NXT talent are going to be at uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania? You never know. 
I mean, they are. Man, that's going to be one bloated card. Ugh. That is going to be one bloated card. Well, it's be like 20 matches. Most bro. of them will be in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. <laughs> so there it is. All right. Damian I, Priest for winner of the Battle Royal. Please don't. No, I'm not. At least it's not Punishment Martinez. That's a much harder name to say. I'm ending the show now. This was a long show. I have to piece everything together. Do you have any other final thoughts? This was a pay-per-view. Nope. I'm Uh, over it. uh, Air Strowman, awesome. And uh, happy Mexican Independence Day to everybody. Okay. Very weird, but okay. No, I'm a Mexican peeps. Got a shout-out to them. It's a Hispanic Heritage Month. What'd you expect? Since we need special months for everybody now. I'm not getting into this. That's the show. For the J-Man, this has been Boss Ross, and this has been the Double Turn Podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side. Peace.